Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Grace Force Podcast, and we have an amazingly special treat for you tonight. We have back in the Grace Force house, Father Chad Ripperger, a friend of the Grace Force, and we're just so thrilled. It's been a it's been a challenge getting back on, Father. You're so busy with so many other things, which is phenomenal because you're doing amazing work, but uh, we're so thankful you're with us. Uh, before we get started, though, everybody, we always want to turn everything over to prayer, and Father Heilman, I leave this to you. Okay. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Father. All right, before we get started, I want to thank everybody out there who supports this work that we're doing through the U.S. Grace Force podcasts you are amazing your prayers your comments your encouragement and if anybody wants to support us financially help us get this message out to as many people as possible you can join the team just click on the link below in the description the patreon link and that will help you if you so choose and we ask you to pray about this but you so choose to help support this work then thank you so much for that it means everything to us and really helps us get this out to more people also don't forget to check the gear page the official u.s grace force gear page get a cool shirt like my u.s grace force shirt i got on right now and the many other designs that we have out there that also helps support the message helps us get this word out by the grace of god and your support to many more people now this is again a phenomenal uh show i really believe we've got lined up here for you and the quote that you see on that screen is actually something that Father Ripperger heard, and we're going to address that a little bit later. But, Father, if we could just start by, by bringing up the fact that we've got some amazing times that we're living in right now. And, you know, we talk a lot on the Grace Force about the struggle that, that's going on, always trying to bring uh, hope to people, of course. And there is hope always in the grace of God when we cooperate with the grace of God. But you've been in the thick of this battle for many, many years. You've seen these things unfold. Could you give just maybe a brief synopsis of this kind of tyrannical movement of power that seems to be affecting so many people? And I know before we got started, you also talked a little bit about a darkening of intellect and a darkening of, of really people's able to really ability to think through what's happening. But this kind of tyrannical power and the darkening of our intellect combined is really putting us in a bad situation. Kind of what's your general assessment of what's going on right now in these areas? Um. I don't know. You gave it a pretty good synopsis right there. But uh, <laughs> thanks but for joining that, us, everybody. Please. Yeah, yeah, good, no, no, good night. <laughs> uh, no, I think that's actually very true. It was something which um, uh, Father Heilman had uh, emailed me and we had talked about a particular topic. And I think that's actually very true. Obviously, the governments worldwide, I mean, we call it deep state. Um, you've heard me say this before. It's just communism. Um, they're in basically control of the levers of power, at least uh, in the political sphere. We also have the problem within the church itself, which in which there are um, clerics, ecclesiastics, etc., who are, uh, you know, basically themselves saying and doing things and treating the good clergy. Um, we, we, you know, we hear about this, the canceled priest and all this stuff. Um, and so I think that there is uh, there's a real tyranny that's actually occurring. Um, I think it's all, there's a couple of other components to it, though. As you mentioned, there's a darkening of the intellect. There is, it seems as if people are becoming more and more incapable of thinking through things rationally, the situa especially our situation that we're in, or even in, even in relationship to discussion of theological topics online. So I'll put a podcast up or something like that in the comments. 
are becoming more and more um, disconnected from reality, disconnected from Catholic thought of any sort. Um, and so you're seeing that darkening of the intellect that's actually starting to occur. Um, Father Heilman, just before we got on here, mentioned, you know, a lot of the families are starting to see their children or just right. the devastation in the families is becoming so profound. There's practically not a family out there that doesn't have one, two, three, or a percentage right. of their children that aren't um, quite wayward when, when we're talking about uh, the moral and spiritual life of the church and how they should be leading their lives or just basically abandoning Catholicism. But I think that the darkening in the intellect and both this tyrannical side that we're actually seeing, and it's true tyranny. I mean, right now, for example, in the United States, I, I tell people, look, you can tell we're living in communism by the fact that you go to the grocery store and there's certain shelves that don't have anything on it. You know, the mm -hmm. fact that everything's going up, the fact that, um, and I, I always tell people, look, when it comes to, you know, you're living in a communist country when there's two things that occur. The first is there's always a degradation of the quality of life of the people on a material level. There's always a destruction of that, even though the communists claim they're going to restore this one, this utopia economically and materially. It's never the case. It always, there's always a degradation on that. The second component is um, there's always an increase in death. That's the trajectory. There has never been a single communist country that didn't end up in the death of a large uh, number of their citizens. And that's the trajectory that we're headed towards. And I think that um, the tyranny in the United States, we've seen the first, I think there's some of the people even in the government, I dare say this, that would, you, you even see them saying this, you know, it's better maybe that some of these people die or what have you. And so we're, we're starting to see that. And I think that they just feel a little uh, restrained at the moment because of the uh, where pe the people are at, at least in their country. But there, it's a real tyranny. But the tyranny, I think, and also this um, uh, occlusion of people's thinking is really coming from um, a, a diabolic source in the sense that um, just, I mean, when people, the irrationality, the mental illness you're starting to see in the number of people, I mean, you just watch people online and some of the behaviors, it's just signs of yeah. mental illness. And I think that some of this is just uh, the demons are just driving even that side, but just the darkening. People can't even think clearly about some of the most elementary things. I mean, you look at the, you look at just like the, the whole situation in relationship to, um, and I don't want to get into it all, obviously, because that's not really the topic, but COVID and things like that, you know, it's like, you vax, you not vax. You do this, you do that. Well, the vax aren't being protected from the vax. The, 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 you know, by the time you're done, you're just yeah. like, people aren't even thinking the way we always knew how this stuff worked right. in the past. So there's that, you got that element going on. And I think some of that is also because of the fact that the, those, the tyrannical side in relationship to the government are intentionally trying to obfuscate as much as possible because if people think clearly, you can't control them. And so there's mm -hmm. that element. But I think that the tyranny... The, the tyranny, what's kind of going on, you see this a little bit in the governments and some of the, the moves that they're making, it seems like they're not balanced um, or they're not measured. And it seems like they're almost in a panic, or I would say they actually are in a panic. And I think that really boils down to the fact that the, the demons that are driving these people to do this stuff, I'm not saying everybody's possessed because I've been quoted saying that, which I never said. Right. But, but the fact is, is that um, the demons that are driving this process are in a panic. Right. And this is, this is what we've seen. It, if you look at it, it looks almost um, scurrilous. That is, they're just, they're just 
doing whatever they can possibly can as quickly as they yeah. can without thinking about whether, as you've said, father, whether it's even strategic or not, right, right. just on a, um, on a, uh, from a warfare point of view, it just right. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's stupid. They're doing stupid stuff. And, yeah, and, exactly. And I think it, and, and I think that's bringing, uh, an enlightenment or waking up, you know, of, of the population. We're seeing that in a lot of, a lot of different ways. The Virginia election was, was one of them. But uh, right. yeah, yeah, just people are going. Wait, what? You know, and it, because the overreach has just been severe. Father, you you said before we uh, started rolling um, something fascinating, and I, I'd ask you to please expound on it. But um, you said that it's likened to an abusive marriage. This tyranny. Uh, yes. it, yeah. Can you? Can you? I thought that was fascinating, and. I totally agree with it, but you, can can you expound on what you what you were talking about with that? Yeah, I uh, you know I did that series, um, which I'm not sure if you had a chance to take a look at, but I did that series on how diabolic psychology and, and um, communist psychology are basically they're the same. I mean, they 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 line out. Right. But one of the things I didn't make the connection, which I only did just about a week and a half ago which uh, is a sign I'm a little slow on the uptake on sometimes on this <laughs> stuff. Um, but it basically, um, what it dawned on me is I had done this conference on disappropriation. And in there, I talk about how demons try and establish an abusive relationship with this. So if you actually look in this um, psychology manuals where they talk about this structure that um, domestic abuse cases where one, like the, the husband is abusing the wife or what have you, that uh, um, psychologically, even physically, sometimes it's psychologically, it has a very specific structure. And there's two essential elements to it. One is he says things to hurt her psychologically, right. whether it's true or not is irrelevant. In right. fact, if it's true, that's good. You know, that's helpful. But it's, it's gaslighting, true, isn't it? It's this. It's exactly it. You gaslight. So you basically, and even if it's a lie, you just keep telling it because right. the goal is, so you, you abuse them from the outside, yeah. but the second component is the goal is to get them to accept that yeah. it's true. Right. Because once they accept that it's true, then internally they have to fight their own emotional states, their instability internally, yeah. and plus the fact that you're abusing them. And that basically means you're weakened and then they can control you. And that's exactly. the goal. You, you diminish their self-esteem and you got them. They're, yes. they're in your control. Right. That's exactly it. So, and yeah. we're actually seeing that play itself out in our own country, right? In the United right. States. So for example, how, how have we seen that? Running around calling every white person a racist. Right. right? White supremacist. Um, white, you're a white supremacist yeah. or because you're white, you're, you're automatically a, a racist. Right. Or... Um, and we're also seeing this, well, even seeing this um, in the church, you'll see them say things like, well, you know, if you, if you, uh, if you basically want to hold to the traditional Catholic faith, then um, you're basically a heretic. Or yeah. if you don't accept this, then you're a heretic, which is stuff that's, you know, the church herself didn't accept in the past. So right. the point being is that they say things in order to, it's, so they're trying to establish an abusive relationship. Now, yes. in an abusive relationship, and this is something which, um, once I started noticing this dynamic, because I noticed that that's what demons do with people in diabolic obsession. They attack the person internally. They make them feel a certain way. They give them certain thoughts. And it's basically, I started to realize that this, this is just an abusive relationship. Right. And so then, I, so then I started researching a little bit more. This was years ago. I started researching a little bit more. So how do you deal with this? How do you deal with someone who's abusive? 
And it was very revealing. They said, you never, ever address the topic of abuse. So, for example, if the husband comes in and says to the wife, you're fat, you're ugly, you're not you're not keeping the house clean, the kids are not being taken properly care of, etc. They say you never, ever address that topic. You never say to them, you never say to the abuser, yes, I do. I try and take care of the children because as soon as you do that. You have legitimized that as an, a topic of discussion. Interesting. And so, and this is exactly what the conservatives are getting sucked into yes. in our culture. You know, like you're a racist. I'm not a racist. Where did you get this idea? I'm right. You don't even address right. the topic because as soon as you do, you've legitimized the discussion. So, but they, well, all the manual says that, and this is what you do, you never address the topic of abuse, you address the abuser. So they would say, if you have a problem, like for example, the husband has a problem with the wife's weight. If you have a problem with my weight, that's your problem, not mine. Right. Okay, now in relationship to the conservatives and dealing with what's going on, I think in our culture, the approach has to be a shift away from these topics because they're controlling the narrative through that. Exactly. You have to stop talking about that. Don't even go in down the race rabbit hole. Don't yeah. even go down these other issues, etc. Start talking about, have you, for example, if they say, well, you're a racist, that's when you need to just stop and look at the person and say, have you always had a problem with accusing people of things that they're not guilty of? <laughs> Have you always had a problem of lying to people? Right. Have you always had a problem of cheating? You know, etc. Right. You, you address them because then it actually shifts to where the real problem is. The real right. problem is in relationship to them, not uh, are trying to gaslight you, get the attention on yep. you, beat you up so that they can get you under control. And that's where you have to say, wait a minute. Have you always had this? You have to go back after yep. them. And I think if we start doing that both, politically but if we also do it even within the church right you know have you always had a problem with not accepting the church's teaching right you know etc if we'd start addressing it that way then um i think that it would make a lot more headway and it would also take away from them the ability to control the narrative i love how you work the word cheating in by the way yeah. Wow. I mean, I mean, how else just kind of snuck it? in there and you could have, <laughs> I don't I mean, know what you could have been referring to. I know, I, I know. I mean, as they say, this is something that Stevie wonder can see. You don't have to be <laughs> exactly, you know, you know, so, uh, in fact, and actually one of the ways that you, we know we're in abusive relationship is that the abuser will lie to the person and the person knows that the abuser is lying. Right. But the abuser also knows that the person knows that he's <laughs> lying to them. Exactly. But their attitude is, it doesn't matter. You still have to listen to it, take it, and operate mm. as if it's true. Yeah. And know. that's what we're living in. That's a, that is classic communist behavior, wow. which we're seeing in our culture. Yeah. Now, you know, Father, we, we, we threw up the, this, this very intriguing title um, for a reason. And, and I, I don't want to go too long without the audience getting to hear where we came up with this. You had said <laughs> something as we were getting ready for the show here. And this is something you heard directly during a session, during an exorcism. Right. Correct? Could you, could you break this down for us and tell us, because this is, I think is, is a very hopeful statement. It's a very hopeful title because as you're describing this, the abusive relationship, which I think we all would agree. Yeah. That's what this feels like very much. It's abusive relationship with our government, with those in the church at some levels. I mean, it's just it's just an abusive time. 
And a lot of people are just crying out, Lord, would you please step in? And I know I speak for a lot of people when I say that, Lord, please just step in. I know I need, yeah. I need your grace, but man, things right. just seem so off kilter. And I always add, can you do it this afternoon? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to ask too much, Lord, but uh, the clock is ticking here. So. Uh, but you, you said yeah. this, and I just think it really speaks probably a lot of hope to a lot of people. Can you break that down for us? Yeah. I, so basically, I'm working on this one case that has been going on for a protracted period of time. And there's a specific set of reasons why it's actually going on. And it that has nothing to do with the person who's possessed. Um, in fact, she is quite saintly in my own view of things, um, although I never let her know that. So, but, uh, but she, um, in this case, Beelzebub is the possessor and he, it's another name for, Beelzebub is just another name for Satan. So in this case, during one of the sessions, uh, well, let, let me back up just a bit. This case is actually revolving around certain issues that are going on in the church. I'm not at liberty to talk about them, at least at this point. Um, that would be something I'd have to have my bishop's permission to speak on. But it's one of those things where it revolves around certain issues with inside the church. And so he, at one point during one of the sessions when the, um, when the beatings got particularly bad, he just starts crying out of the blue. And so I stopped and I commanded him to somebody, you know, what's, what's your problem? And he just said, he's about to take my power away from me. Yes. And he's, re he's actually referring to, uh, he, whenever they say he, um, that refers to God. And in this particular case, it was specifically God, the father. Yeah. Or when they say she, it refers to our lady because their, their, their names, even the word God or, um, Mary or things like that are sacred. And so it causes them pain just to say it. They'll say them under duress if you force them to say it, but otherwise they always give some oblique reference to them because they don't want to actually use those terms. And he says, he's about to take my power away. And he was actually talking about within the church primarily. So even though I think that's true in relationship to the, uh, uh, the geopolitical situation um, I, by application, which I'll mention here in a minute, I think that it's, it's primarily this darkness that we're uh, experiencing in the, in the church where just for, you know, people to lead a solid Catholic life, just to find a good priest who performs in sacraments who's getting uh, that, that, you know, in an orthodox reverent way is getting harder and harder and harder. The bishops are clamping down on priests and stuff that are trying to be, do the right thing. That stuff is getting harder and harder. But um, as that continues, though, it also means that he says he's about to take my power away. We don't know when that's going to occur. But we also know, I think, that that's one of the reasons why I think they're in this panic. This is one of the reasons why I think that, like, they, they tend to uh, overextend themselves or do certain things or say certain things, even geopolitically. And even within the church, they'll say things that are just like, you know, I think you'd need to prep people, of, you know, another couple of decades before you would normally say that kind of a thing but right. they don't they're just saying these things um and so as a result of that i think the reason is because the demons are getting hasty because they realize their time is getting short and so it's good they've got to do something and uh, there's two reasons that we know it's getting short is because of this panic that we're seeing them they're literally scrambling the geopolitical situation the geopolitical sphere and even to some degree within the church i mean i think that um uh, as time goes on, I think it's going to be kind of clear that, you know, the fact that they're trying to um, clamp down, um, and I, yeah, you can edit this out if you think it's necessary, but the fact that they're trying to clamp down on the old right, mm -hmm. I think is an indicator that they're getting worried that right. that generation that brought in all the changes is now dying, and so they're getting towards the end. But I also think it's also the demons know 
that their time is limited. So they're trying to clamp down on anything possibly that they can, even within the church. And also we're going to start seeing the governments getting more and more tyrannical. For example, what's going on in Australia is just completely off the charts. This is an indication that they're overplaying their hand, but the reason they're overplaying their hand is because, um, and they're bluffing so much and they're doing all these things and they're lying to, it's all because of the fact that their time is very short. So when he said, he's about to take my power away, that means it's primarily pertains to the church. But as we know, because the church is the mystical body of Christ, right. all and since the mystical body of Christ is the means of all grace, it means that the Catholic Church is the divinely established means of salvation. It's also the means, uh, it's also that through which all grace comes into the world, right? So that means, um, and even if I'm not saying Protestants don't get grace, it just means if they come, it comes mediating the church, which is the mystical body of Christ. That means that once the church, this starts to get its act together, possibly one of two things could happen. One is that the demons will then become vengeful and use their power in the political sphere to go after the church. That's up to God to determine whether he allows that or not. Or it's going to mean that there's going to be a flooding of grace in relationship to uh, even the geopolitical situation. And so things will drastically change. So, but anyway, the point being is, is that the demons seem to indicate it's Sure, it's coming. We also know this a little bit because Our Lady said, I believe it was at Fatima, she said, just about the time it looks like the whole world is taken over on communism, he said, that's when God will intervene. And it looks like we're there. I mean, the fact that they were able, the fact that the deep state worldwide was able to shut down the worldwide economy in less than two weeks, worldwide right. economy in less than two weeks, tells you that they're there i mean yeah. so that all being said that's a good sign though because it tells us that that the you know the better days are coming this means we're going through a short period here though where we have to do a thing a few things one obviously we have to continue praying do prayer and penance so that we can weather this well but it also means i think with something we actually talked a little bit about on one of the other prayer and grace forces which is you have to keep the course keep your focus Especially because you notice this even with demons, right before they get expelled, there's kind of this um, look that they get where there's this panic, just as you were mentioning, Father, they get this panic, like, I'm just about to get kicked out, and then boom, they get kicked out. Mm -hmm. They're kind of in that mode, but that's the time when you have to just keep at it, just keep grinding the session out, just keep hammering them, because one, if you just keep doing it, then you'll get through it, and then the liberation comes on the other side. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing here. People just have to hunker down in their spiritual lives and just be very focused and and maintain their perseverance through this process. Um, and God will give them the grace if they're seriously trying to do that. You know, I don't like to predict anything because every time I yeah. do, it's the exact opposite. You know, so I ain't no yeah, prophet I, for sure. Uh, yeah, exactly. You could be like the guy that started the um, uh, the Jehovah Witnesses. He predicted the end of the world like five times. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, I said that I said that first because I want to say this. I, um, I'm sure you agree that that this year of Saint Joseph is significant. I was yes. just with Father Calloway um, a couple of days ago, and um, boy, what the work that he's done to help us all to uh, to align ourselves or to to devote ourselves to Saint Joseph. I mean, you know, he didn't say anything in the Bible, <laughs> and he gets kind of forgotten. And uh, but uh, you know, do do you have any thoughts on that, Father, about the role he's played, because I've also heard, and this is just conspiracy theory and everything, but December 8th is the end of the year of St. Joseph. And, and more than one person has said December 8th might be something. I don't know. But do you have anything? Maybe. Else? You know, yeah. It's, yeah, like you said, it's hard to predict. I don't like to tell. predict. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I can tell you this. Uh, first of all, I very much appreciate all the work that Father Calloway has done. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm very happy to see that he's, that he's taking that up and actually doing something with that and, and promoting St. Joseph, who is um, a terror of demons, but he's just, right. he's one of the most powerful. But I can tell you what it did happen in one, in one case that I had, which actually tells you something a little bit about the role of St. Joseph. He, uh, right towards the end, before this woman was liberated, um, some of the saints started showing up beforehand. And at a certain point, St. Joseph showed up and he had a staff. And he started walking around the person that was possessed, pounding the staff into the ground. And every time it would hit the ground, the demon would cool. shudder. And so nice. later I started, I started researching, well, what is the significance of a staff, right? We know it's to correct in the sense of, um, you know, you guide, you guide the sheep with it, etc. But part of it was also, it's the instrument of justice. It's the instrument of punishment. Mm -hmm. And so that's why he that's why he was shaking every time he would pound that because that was an indication of that his punishment and justice is about to come. And I think that's actually true. I think part of the reason St. Joseph is kind of showing up at this point is at least it's my hope is that we're getting to the end of this stage. Yep. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be hard. And I'm not saying it's going to it's I think it's going to get worse for a little while, but I think it's also I'm hoping that it's an indicator that um St. Joseph showing up, being prominent, especially this year, will be a sign that hopefully within the next year or two, things will start to change or something will happen. Maybe our lady will, maybe the chastisement will come. Who knows? Well, and that's, you know, you, you mentioned this a couple of times, Father, and I know the audience is probably catching this too. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be hard. That, yeah. you know, we, we talk about, I know there's so much talk about the triumph of Mary's Immaculate Heart. And I would always think a couple of things, and you can correct me if I'm off on this, um, but number one, the triumph of Mary's Immaculate Heart over evil, um, evil doesn't go away quietly. It, it, it stomps like a baby, a, a child, right. you know, angry, you know, violent child. I think of Revelation 12, 12 about woe to you, earth and sea. The devil's been cast down to you in a fury. That idea right. of a furious, you know, spiritual being just doesn't sound, you know, too friendly. So that's number one, is that there's going to be this, 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 this violent reaction from evil. And second... Yeah. Is it, would it not be accurate to say, or would it be accurate to say, I guess, more properly, that we play a part in Mary's triumph as yeah. instruments if we consecrate ourselves to our Lord through Our Lady and St. Joseph? Does that then bring us into the fold of, you know, we're her, her warriors, her soldiers in the thick of this battle to help and assist as God would desire and plan to be um, part of this triumph of Mary's Immaculate Heart? Where, where yeah. am I on that? Yeah, I, I no, I think you're right. I mean, I do think that there's going to be by, you know, by, I think it's going to get worse. I think it's going to, the panic is going to become more manifest and more extreme. I think as we go along, yeah. I think that's definitely coming. And it I think that, that it seems it's happening day by day that way. The panic, it is, it's escalating day by day. Yeah, it is exactly. Yeah. In fact, you, sometimes you're like, how much longer can people sustain this psychologically? Right. You, you oh, start yeah. to wonder, you know. Um, but, but that all being said, yeah, I think so. I think you're going to see it really intensify. Um, but I think it's also one of those things that if a person is maintain their prayer life, but then also, you know, keeping under Our Lady's mantle, having a strong devotion to her, asking her protection, consecrating your life, the difficulties you're going through, et cetera, to her, et cetera, or doing all those things. 
I think she'll protect you through that process. It doesn't mean you won't suffer a bit, but it'll at least she'll uh, help to protect you through that. The other part of it is too, is, is that uh, we will help in the bringing about her triumph in the sense that we will be her hands and, 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 and lips and ears, et cetera. We'll be the ones who will bring, um, be the ones who practically implement these things, help people to be able to lead these lives that they're supposed to lead, even after the chastisement, after this all hits, we'll be the ones to be able to do that. But we're also, interestingly enough, we're also the instruments of justice to the demons too. Mm -hmm. I mean, by the fact that we combat them, we fight against them, etc., it afflicts them. It makes their both life miserable. I mean, we we know our side of the equation, um, and uh, we because of the suffering that we go when they attack us, etc. But we we don't always necessarily know what they go through. But I can tell you that what they go through is far more intense in their suffering when we when we say no to them and when we combat them and we fight against them than anything that we actually go through. In fact, I I uh, I won't go into any of the specifics or the details, but I actually had one case where all of a sudden I just had every night I was having this dreaming thing and it was. It basically was the demon. I, it took me about two weeks to figure out that it was the demon revealing to me what he was going through in the sessions. Wow. And it, wow. it was just absolutely horrific and brutal. And the, one of the things he really disliked was he would go through this absolute brutal beating. And then I would just stop, walk away. I'm done. Okay, let's go home, you know. And, and he's sitting here bruised up and bleeding, right? And so... Uh, but the point being is that we are the instrument of their justice, but that means that in that sense, we're also the, uh, the arms and legs of Our Lady in the relationship to bringing about her triumph. We also have to realize that we're her instruments in the sense of, um, and we're her servants in the, in the sense that it's our place to be praying, to do everything we possibly can to merit it so that God can say to her, okay, now it's time. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I, somebody said recently, I, I picked up that uh, it, we need to pray. But yeah. like David, at some point, you got to pick up that stone. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and so we have to discern ourselves what what, what God is calling each one of us to do. And, right. um, you, you know, I don't, I don't think we're supposed to pick up an AR-15 necessarily. But I'm telling you right now, I'm so tired of this. If they start riding the streets... I don't, I'm not going to pick up an AR-15, but I'm, I'm very likely going to pick up a big old cross and I'm going right in the middle of them because <laughs> yeah. I'm, just, I'm just, and I think a lot of people are like that father right now. Yeah. And I think that's, that's why, you know, we're seeing uh, this, this, uh, this is coming to an end because, you know, we've uh, decided we're not going to sit in the bunker any longer and just, just let the, take the abuse, you know, like the marital abuse. We're not going to yeah. do that anymore. Yeah, there comes a certain point where there's usually some particular event, at least within a society or with a, historically within a nation, which sets it off, right? right. It's just like, that was it, boom, yep. and then things take off. Sometimes they're false flags, actually started by the government themselves. Sometimes right. they're other things. But, um, but I'm wondering, yeah, at what point will the people say, that's enough of the abuse? We're not going to take this anymore. But right. I do think that if we can start shifting the narrative and just, just you know, when people start attacking us, just say, have, you know, shift the attention because it's all right. about the focus. They're the ones trying to control the focus. Right. Yeah. Father, I'm curious when you, um, when you see things unfold as you have, I mean, you've been, you've been at this for, for a long time. How long have you been involved in, 
in uh, this line of work as an exorcist? Uh, I've been doing solemn exorcisms for 15 years. I did a lot of deliverance work, blessings of houses that were infested uh, about two years before that. Okay. So you've seen this. Have you seen it escalate? And have other exorcists said that they've seen things escalate in recent years or the last decade or so? Or how is this in comparison in, by your standards to, you know, years ago? I mean, have, have we seen an increase due to people drifting from God and witchcraft and all this? Or what's your thought on that? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, there's there's a couple of things. I think the number of people that are involved in witchcraft and involved in Satanism has drastically increased. Mm, right. I mean, you can just see that just by getting on the Internet. I mean, right. some of the things that people are doing. I mean, and so the numbers are really increasing. Um, I think we're also seeing a number of people who are just, um, you know, committing grave sin after grave sin after grave sin. And there's just no, people just aren't leading even normal decent lives or just things are getting worse on that level uh, you know as far as on the spiritual side of things um what i i think i might have mentioned this in one of my other uh, maybe i didn't mention it with you guys but what we have noticed is as it progressively gets worse as the people continue sinning and as the world begins to collapse and depart from god god's law the natural law and its government and even within the church etc as that continues to progress the difficulty of getting demons out becomes more and more difficult it, it yeah. increases because the demons are more empowered so it takes more i've effort, heard that from more, other exorcists so yeah know. yeah it's taking a lot more work yeah. just to get any even right. just an inch and that's actually one of the reasons why a few years ago i actually went to a different um, kind of a strategy. I used to be like every other exorcist because that's how I was trained, which is, you know, you meet with somebody like once a week or once a month for an hour, hour or two, and then then you send them home and they do the prayer and then you come back. And I realized I wasn't getting anywhere. So I just said, you know, in the past, what they would do is once a case became clear, it was possession because possession was extraordinarily rare, even in the past. What they would do is they would just start the case and they would grind it out day after day after day after day until it finally broke, right? And normally in the past, it might be one to two days, a week on the outside. The case in St. Louis that lasted 59 days was practically unheard of, right? Wow. But today, you know, but so I decided, you know, that's the problem. Because I have known that demons are like human beings. They have a psychological threshold. So I thought, thought well, this is what I'm going to do then. I'm going to start. I'm going to go after them every single day for as long as I can. <clears throat> so because of my schedule, because we're trying to start a society and my writing and stuff, basically I came to the conclusion that <clears throat> what I'm going to do is do two sessions a day, five days a week, two weeks a month, month after month after month with the same demon until he cracks. Mm -hmm. And what we found is it works. And so mm -hmm. that's how we're actually how, but it's literally the grind it takes to get to that is becoming much more difficult because people are leading such sinful lives, but it, it works, but it tells you how much energy and time you have to put into just one case to get anywhere. You know, I, you mentioned earlier that, um, you know, not, we're not saying everybody's possessed and, and they're not, No, but there's a, a huge amount of people who are disconnected mm. from the divine yeah. life. Right. And That's so right. then are in, in the realm of Satan and are easily manipulated by Satan. That doesn't mean they're possessed. It just means right. they don't have God's protective, you know, sanctifying grace over them or Mary's mantle. Right. 
uh, and so they're easily manipulated. Wouldn't you say so, Father? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what the what the case is. It's it's. Uh, I'm, I actually I just finished this. You remember me talking about? I got this gargantuan book I was working on. Well, it's done. Yeah. So I'm finally going nice. to get it to the printers, but I'm going to cut it down for the lay people. And I'm thinking of titling it just called Dominion, because it's really oh. about which 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 kingdom are you under? You under yes. God or under Satan? There's no mean. Mm. So and what's happening is yeah. is that. If you step under Satan, he just drives you so that his dominion over you becomes more and more powerful. It doesn't right. mean, like you said, Father, you're right. It doesn't mean you're possessed. It doesn't even mean you're necessarily obsessed. But he's getting more and more power over you yep. in relationship because of all this. And you're agreeing things. with him more often. And, and that's right. Know, allowing all this normalization of evil to just you know continue to happen. And oh, yeah, yeah, that, yes. yeah, you know, yeah, that grown man can go share that bathroom with that little girl, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Easily manipulated. Yeah, exactly. Well, in fact, the uh, the fact that you see people psychologically breaking down is actually a sign that our culture is becoming more and more sinful, because if sin, sin is contrary to the natural law, and their right. minds are structured according to natural law, you keep acting against it, and eventually it's just going to break down. Yep. yep. Father, I know this is something that uh, we had Dan Schneider on. Uh, we've had him on. I know he's a he's a, a friend of yours. And mm -hmm. uh, he's been Dan's on the awesome. episode a few times, but I also just recently had him on an episode for the TV show Battle Ready that we do for EWTN, and mm -hmm. it's it's one of our most current episodes. And he says in in this we have actually three episodes with him and Jesse Romero talking about these uh, these topics here, but he says that in some exorcisms that the demons in effect can say uh, if you're addressing certain issues about the person's lifestyle or this or that the demons can in effect say hey. He invited me in. I, I'm right. here because he invited me in. I, right. I have the right to be here because this individual has made the decision to open the door to let me in. That's oh, right. That's accurate. Can, can break that down a bit for us, just to understand, again, the seriousness of the decisions that we make and how it is, it's, it's a doorway. It's a portal. It, it's allowing them in, or we're closing the door by saying no when we pray and, and fast and go to confession and so forth. Right. Can you give a little more expoundance on that? Yeah, I think there's two parts to it that we should probably take a look at. The first is that um, there is God established when he created human beings and angels an authority structure. Mm -hmm. So there's a specific structure that starts with him, of course, at the top and it goes down. So what happens is every time we sin, we step out from underneath his authority because his authority is the right to determine the definition of authority is the right um, which is a moral claim that is it's a right to make determination about the action or thing right so it, it, it's a it, it make determination of disposition so for example if i have authority over my gnomes in my front yard i have a right to determine where i put them in my front yard right okay so it's a right of disposition what happens is, is when you commit a sin you step out from underneath his authority and step out underneath the authority of say you base not the authority but the power of satan technically because he's not really uh, an authority structure in the proper sense because he doesn't have any moral claims technically okay so that being said you bet you're stepping out from underneath the authority structure of god and placing yourself under satan each time you commit grave sin okay so this is one of the reasons why it becomes a problem the second part of it is um every demon that fell uh saint thomas says he fell there were several thing components to it one is he rejected the task that God had assigned to him. So mm. there was a very specific thing that God asked him to do. And when he sinned, 
He rejected that task. Now, not the, the rejection of the task also included the choosing of, on the side of the demon of its opposite. So, um, for uh, so that so that just gives you an indicator that they chose to choose. For example, this one demon I worked with was supposed to serve Our Lady. He chose to reject her, to hate her, to actually work against her in this life. So they actually choose the actual opposite. So St. Thomas says, and these things, he said, they have, a, they have a certain kind of specificity. So it's very interesting. I mean, you, you, you'll get a demon. All their sins are always spiritual in some sort, whether it's, uh, say, their pride or envy, one of the two. But underneath that is certain things where they, they, you know, they wanted certain things. And so as a result, they didn't get them. Then they choose to basically drive those same kinds of things in human beings. So the particular specificity of the sin of the demon determines the types of things that he drives in people. Now, sometimes demons will drive other things, but it's all ultimately they're also driving their own thing. So why am I getting into this? When you commit a sin at the behest of a demon, you're doing it at his suggestion because he's tempting you, etc. Or you're committing the sin, even if it's just from the flesh, because not all temptations are from the devil. Um, if, even if it's from the flesh, that particular area of sin pertains to a particular demon or demons. And so they're the ones who actually get control over you in the process of you stepping out from underneath this authority structure because you're stepping out underneath God. And by your choice, you're placing yourself, you're determining what your disposition is. I'm going to place myself under this particular um, sin, which is under the domain of this particular demon. So you'll get this, um, for example, uh, people who... Um, uh, so, for example, men who suffer from same-sex attraction disorder, if they engage in certain kinds of uh, homosexual acts, then whenever they're possessed, it's sure money that one of the possessors is Asmodeus, who's the demon of homosexuality in men. So the point is that you're underneath that, that particular demon. In fact, the demons even say this in session, that their goal is to get the possessed person to die in the state of mortal sin because then the person is under them in hell. Well, the same thing actually applies. And if he got his entry into the person by enticing them to commit this sin, which opens up the door, then um, just because the door is open, though, it doesn't mean God always allows the demon to step through it. Then once he steps, but if he does step through it, or even if he doesn't, the person is still under his domain. So if they die in the state of mortal sin, the, the way that the demons talk, and the way they behave, at least in relationship to certain people, is that the sin for which the human being is damned determines which demon you're under in hell. Wow. Okay. Well, I was just reading so, about... Uh, go ahead. Yeah, so basically what this means is, is that opening up the door empowers them, and those are, the, those are the specific ones that you end up under. Wow. I was just reading about uh, John Bosco's dream where he got the vision of hell. And, yeah. uh, yep. It, it, so what, what you were saying maybe triggered me that anyway, uh, uh, as we're recording, uh, the bishops are starting to meet and mm -hmm. I think this will go up either the day they're, they st they're concluded or maybe the day before, but, um, you know, father, uh, I just hang on your every word and, and there's just a high level of trust in me. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are like me. Uh, you're just such a credible uh, holy man. And, um, it, so let's do, can we do a, uh, um, a what if here? 
So what if the bishops invited you to their conference and said, we too have a high level of, tr of your trust for you, Father Jed Ripperker. Oh, tell actually, us what, I can tell you right now. Tell us what. <laughs> tell us what to do. Tell us what to do. And, and well, no, I, in a spirit of 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 of, of uh, love and obedience and 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 um, you know respect for the bishops. What do you? I mean, you must have an idea of what what you think the church should. What path the church should be taking at this point. What do you think? Well, you know, uh, you mean in regards to the bishops? Yeah, I mean they would lead this, but you know, you, you know, what, what, what should the, what do you feel the bishops should be should, should be doing right now? And again, I, I have a, I have a lot of, um, uh, I, I'm giving them a lot of leeway because, I mean, we went through a global pandemic, you know, and uh, right. the evil's been ushered in. I mean, things like, uh, you know, transgender and men in little boys' bathrooms and. That's all, that's all like eight years old at best. You know, it's, it's, this is all ushered in. And so I think they're punch drunk. I think they're, they're like deer in headlights. Uh, um, yeah. And I wish they, they may have acted. Uh, but I have a level of understanding too, that this is, this evil's come fast and furious. Mm. And uh, so now what do we do? Uh, it's time to break out the ecclesiastical smelling salts. <laughs> <laughs> so but uh because the bishops got to get their heads <laughs> but up. uh yeah exactly i and the thing is is that i think part of it really boils down to by the way there are bishops who actually um who i do talk with and who um are do trust me etc but a majority of them actually majority of them probably don't even know who i am but um, but that being said, uh, it's a hypothetical, <laughs> it's a hypothetical, you know, if they were to ask me to come to their, to the, to USCCB and talk, what I would probably like to talk about, um, I would take the position of, look, I'm an exorcist and I can tell you that, um, uh, and I'll do this for the sake of, cause he's a humble man. And I don't think he would want me saying who it was out loud, but there was a Bishop actually who came to one of our sessions and he just, I asked him if he could just impose hands on the woman that was possessed. And as soon as he did, the level of pain that you could see in her was so tremendous. Afterwards, I was talking to her and she said that when he, because she was possessed, when he imposed hands, she said the pain was worse than childbirth. Uh -huh. And what that tells you something is, and obviously she never got that when I would impose hands. So, uh, I mean, it was painful, but not on that kind of a level. But what that tells you is, is that the the spiritual power and authority that the bishops have yes. is so profound and they yeah. don't know it i know i mean the the for example the and the demons you know the demons the, the bishop might not even have done anything but the vitriol the vitriol hatred that they have for every for the bishop whether he's good bad or ugly right. they just hate him with the passion right. and so um, but it's also, they know that he's the guy that holds the authority in that territory, the authority in that territory, other than yeah. the Pope, he's the guy. And they know that he's the one that they have to shut down and not use his authority in a rightly ordered way, because if they can do that, then it gives them free reign. So I think what I'd like to do is just talk to the bishops about what authority is, what the authority structure is, how it works in relationship to spiritual warfare their role in it, the power that they actually have in relationship to it, that they could actually start making people's lives better. The impact, by the way, as I mentioned, all grace comes into the world by means of the Catholic Church. The mm -hmm. impact that the bishops could be having 
by saying binding prayers or doing um, minor exorcisms or what have you over their territory with the effect of it affecting the political situation would be tremendous. They could be having huge impact all across the board. But I think that um, aside from the fact that a lot of them are theologically weak and just don't know, like you said, some of them are punch drunk. But this is just one area that I, I don't think they've ever really sat back and thought to themselves how powerful they really are. <clears throat> People always ask me, would you want to be a bishop? And my answer is always, no, I don't want to lose 20 points off my IQ. But, uh, <laughs> but the, uh, the answer is actually no. The only appeal that it has to me is if I was going to continue doing exorcism work, it'd be nice to have the fullness of the priesthood to drive these guys out a little more rapidly. But, um, but if you're a bishop, then you're stuck in administration, and that's just not my thing. I'm, I'm an academic who happens to be stuck doing exorcisms. Yeah. But, uh, but the point being is, is that the power that the bishops have is so profound. And the unfortunate thing is they're not using it wow. with the exception of a few. There's a few that actually are, yep. but, um, but it's a handful, literally a handful. The Our rest of them have to contact their bishops and in all humility and, and great love for their bishops say, do these exorcism prayers, bishops do, do these binding prayers. Right. Yeah. Although, yeah, that's true. Although I'm sure that if, if enough, people start doing that they're gonna like where did this all start it's that <laughs> evil father ripperger that's but right <laughs> once again <laughs> well you know what's so funny is that the priests the priests either love me or they hate me of course but the ones who don't like me i, I start talking to well you know I, you don't even know me what what's and basically their complaint is i create work for them because people want sacramentals blessed or they want them to bless their house and, so there you go <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. You create a yeah. lot of work for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but you're a good you're a good worker, Father. Thank you, Father. For for us husbands and fathers out there, and I think it was mentioned earlier, you said that you know almost no family seems to be going untouched these days with yeah. you know the struggle of you know either there's problems in the marriage, there's there's abusive situations, or or there's there's problems with pornography or contraception or right. or just materialism that's excessive or excessive yeah. sports or what have you. But then of course the struggle with children who are either drifting from the faith or or cohabitating and and just all of this. What not just advice, but what like recipe can you give? us lay people, us husbands, us husbands, fathers, mothers, wives out there that are out there um, that really know we, we can sense it. We can, we know things are ramping up. Um, what, what, what do we do spiritually really to hunker down and engage in this battle all out? Well, I think that there's one thing that's uh, there's a couple of things, but one of them is, you know, before people can even see me, because the, uh, when I was uh, in 2015, when we were keeping the statistics, um, we had, uh, let's see, we had 600 people contact us. Now it's into the thousands, literally every year. But we had 600 people contact us, 150 people we actually saw, right? And so at a certain point, I just said, look, I can't continue doing this because I'm neglecting the people that are possessed to, to accommodate all this betting that we have to do. What we did is we, um, which uh, Dan Schneider has been actually part of that, but we design, designed a four-part protocol and in the first part of the protocol, we just people set up people on a regimen of prayer because people are just undisciplined, right? I think that's the real issues. People are undisciplined. But one of the things we found the most effective in creating a good atmosphere within the home among the parents, 
is if the parents get up and do the Angelus six noon and six. There's something about that that protects people in the spiritual warfare. We're just starting now trying to wrap our minds around what specifically um, is that this, we think part of it has to do with just the discipline. But the other part is when we get to the the second phase of the protocol, we start asking him, do you follow right order in your family? Is the father the head of the household? Is the mother um, subordinate to him in a rightly ordered fashion? Is are the children because it's the dynamic that the parent kids see in that order between the spouses that sets the tone for the order of the rest of the family. And so the lot of the fallout that we're seeing is because there's not right order between the spouses. And that right order just isn't that she does what he tells her to do. It's not just that. It's literally. Do they love each other? Do they work for each other's well-being? Do they recognize that their primary obligations are to each other, et cetera? Mm-hmm. And so it's that relationship. So the, I tell parents, if you want to help your children, first thing you got to do is get your own relationship straightened out. The second, so then the second part of it is um, start, you have to start, and we've talked a little bit about this. They have to pray for the protection of their children on a daily basis, especially today, because the spiritual warfare is so intense that you actually have to be praying every single day for the protection of your children. Then two other things, um, asking Our Lady of Sorrow, specifically under that title, revealed to me if there's anything I need to know about what's going on in the lives of my children. And the reason being is, is because a lot of times stuff is hidden and the parents don't know what's going on until it's way down the road, right? right. So this will be a way for the parents to come to knowledge of it so that it can be addressed more quickly. Um, and then the other part of it is, consecrating the family, but also the individual problems in the family and the family members um, on a regular basis to Our Lady. So in that book, Deliverance Prayers for the Lady, which I put out, um, which, by the way, I'm in the process of putting that out in a leather cover, finally. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. So once that, but but the uh, consecration of your exterior goods, if they consecrate their family and the specific problems that they're dealing with in the family, we've found that that has a drastic uh, impact in strengthening the family, getting rooting out the defects and the problems within the family. But then, of course, obviously is the parents have to have a habitual life of prayer themselves and get the children praying regularly so that the um, that when they get to those points where the temptations occur, when they start seeing this stuff, they have the, they have the discipline of, the, of a regular prayer life to be able to fall back on. Father, real quick, um, when, when do parents actually, I mean, do we lose authority over our children? They grow up, they move out. When is it that I no longer have authority, spiritual authority over my children's lives? Okay. It's, uh, it's a bit complicated. So um, when it comes to males, male children, once they reach the age of majority, then the children are no longer bound to, the child is no longer bound to follow you by virtue of command. Right. Because of the fact that he has reached the age of majority, he's now his own man. And that's like However, what age, that's age 40, 45, somewhere in there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's 18. It's not it's generally okay. considered 18. All right. But all right. <laughs> but uh but because of the obligations of the fourth commandment to honor the parents, if you ask him to do something, he should normally do it unless there's a sufficient reason to the contrary. Right. So, you know, if you just ask him, hey, could you come over and help me with getting this? Uh, stuff put away in my garage he should normally come and help you unless he's got some other reason like sorry i can't i got to take my wife because she's giving birth okay you know so uh the, but the point being is is that they should normally do the bidding of the parents unless there's a sufficient reason to the contrary as a matter of fulfilling the fourth commandment it's a matter of honor 
Daughters are a little bit different. Even after they reach the age of majority, according to the natural law, as it, it was expounded in the Middle Ages, she was still under the father as her head. And it wasn't until she married or entered the convent that the headship was passed from the father to the, either the son-in-law or to the a mother superioress. And the reason for that was because, according to the natural law, <clears throat> the, it was the father's obligation to protect the honor of the daughter. And that meant she had to obey him in order to, for that honor to be properly protected. Okay. So they, they say that he has the right to command. The authority continues in relationship to the daughter until she's married. Then it switches over to, again, that, you know, unless there's a sufficient reason to contrary, you should only do what they ask. Okay. So that's kind of the general way in which it works. Is there any spiritual authority, say, to, like, when, when my children were younger, I could spiritually bind demons and such? Um, yes. Can I still uh, do that at all? Or one, yes, at what you age? Can. I can't. Yeah, okay. you can. Yeah. You can't, because of the fact of the obligations of them to uh, render honor to you in relationship to the fourth commandment, you continue to have that right to command the demons in relationship to them, even after they're married or in the age of the majority. Okay. Okay. And part of it, there's two reasons we know. One is that's the theological reason, but the practical reason is, you know, um, I and a number of exorcists for decades have been watching um, who says binding prayers and when are they safe and when are they not? When are they getting retaliated against and when are they not? And we just noticed that it, it follows this line of this, it follows two lines, the authority structure and then the obligations of duty according to the natural law or divine positive law which is actually in the book that's about to come out, I delineate all that and exactly how it works. And, and because it's part of the natural law and it comes from God, even though it pertains to our natural law, the demons are still bound to obey it because it comes from God. Okay. And do, do mothers also have the, the ability to, to bind over their children? Yes, they do. Okay. So uh, when Good. it comes to uh, once she reaches, once the daughter reaches the age majority though, then she is no, the, technically speaking, she's not under the authority of the mother, but even though she's still under the authority of the father. Okay. And so, um, but she should still normally do her bidding unless there's a sufficient reason. Okay. Okay. And she can, and the mother can uh, command the demons in relationship to the, um, to the daughter. Okay. Great. How about with just, I'm sorry, Father Hammond, I'm jumping in here. I'll, last question for you. What about, uh, do, does a grandfather, grandmother have any, any spiritual authority over the grandchildren? Or is that particularly just to the parents then of the child? It's just to the parents because it's the right, it, the way you know they have the authority is to do, do I, basically it's like this. Do I have the authority to tell you to come mow my lawn? Right, right. Well, the grandparents don't. I mean, you would probably do it even as a matter of honor, as a matter of the virtue of piety anyway. But it's not, you're not bound by it in the, according to the natural law. And so okay. technically speaking, the grandparents don't. That makes sense. Okay. All right. Well, Father, our, our, our time is up. Um, once again, this has been awesome. So yeah, you're agreeing now you'll be on every week and it'll be the three of us from now on. <laughs> As I was telling you before this schedule started, I don't have a free day between now and September. So, uh, but that doesn't mean I couldn't do an interview once in a while. It's just okay. one of those things that um, I just got so much other stuff going on. Yeah. Things are lightening up a little bit though, because this book is finally done. So hopefully I'll have a little bit more time. Well, this awesome. has been incredible. Yeah, and thank you so much. I love the title again. He's about to take my power away. Power away. Uh, yeah. The, and he was, the, the demon was weeping when he said that. It, yep. uh, it's sad that, uh, that uh, the his time is short. 
So it's such a, mm. such a hopeful uh, message. Well, it is incredible. It does. Father, could you, could you end, uh, close us with uh, your final blessing? Sure. Benedictio Dei Omnipotentis, Patris et Fili et Spiritus Sancti Descendit Superbo, Sit Maniat Semper. Amen. Amen. Yeah, see, if I would have done that, I would have said Domino's Nabisco. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Latin that for pizza and crackers, I think. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, All right. Thank, thanks, Father. Thank you, Father. You bet. God bless you.